0: Tonight, here on Fig Tree Watchers, the West Coast Gospel Hour asks the question, Are you submitting to God like a disciple? That's next, here on the West Coast Gospel Hour. So stay tuned, everyone, as we ask the question, Are you submitting to God like a disciple? And we want to welcome you all in joining us tonight as we give it a couple minutes to invite your friends and family your grandma, all those around you that you love, let them know that uh, we're going through First Samuel tonight, chapter 15, 1 through 23. And we'd love to have you on here and uh, inviting a friend. Now, uh, some great news out there. We are on figtreewatchers.com. You can go there to see the lives uh, from Instagram, even if you're not on Instagram, you can see our news feed on anything relating to Bible prophecy. Uh, you can see the new posts that we have on there. And so we want to thank you for, for all that. And also we're on the podcast. Every one of these Bible studies is now on podcast form. So just go to Figtree Watchers. You can watch the replay of last night's Bible study. And tomorrow you can watch the replay of this one. So we're really excited what God is doing. And then uh, tomorrow night we'll be going through 1 Thessalonians again. So we'll be back in that Bible study. Thursday night will be Topical Thursday. And uh, so we'd love to have you there and and, uh, joining us. And um, just want to say thank you for joining us. It's great to have you here tonight. Well, as we get ready to get in the Word of God, let's begin with prayer. Do you want to be like Jesus? What a great song. It's called The Scandal of Grace by Shane and Shane. Let's pray. Dear Father God, we thank you so much that we can gather in your midst and we can come together to study your word, O oh Lord. We pray, O oh God, that it penetrates our hearts and our minds. And Lord, I pray that as I'm teaching through this, God, that it's not my words that would be spoken, but that you would speak through me, O Lord. That, God, it would begin to bring about a change among those who are listening. That they would grow even closer to you. That they would desire to know you even more. And, Lord, we pray, O God, right now for our country we pray for um a girl in Florida named Grace who is uh got a cyst on her throat. She's got a beautiful voice, God. We pray right now that you would remove that cyst in the name of Jesus and that you would heal her. We pray for Johanna who is in um the East Coast and and is uh is is got COVID right now and is affected by that. We pray for um, Janice, who is suffering from skin cancer right now. We pray that that skin cancer would be removed in the name of Jesus. God, we are coming to you with requests from people that are watching this study right now. And Lord, we're crying out to you for mercy. We're asking you to hear us, O oh God, and not turn your ear away because we are your children. We have been bought and paid for with the price of Jesus Christ, who shed his blood on the cross for our sins. And it's by his stripes that we are healed. And so, God, if it is your will, we're asking that Johanna be healed of COVID, that grace's cyst be removed off her throat and that her voice comes back and she can sing and worship you with song again, O Lord. And for the, the skin cancer of Jan Crest and for others who have needs, who are suffering with cancer in the body of Christ, we pray for miracles. In Jesus' name, amen. It is so good to have you here on the West Coast Gospel Hour. Uh, As I mentioned, we are in 1 Samuel tonight, every Tuesday night. Uh, We are um, in 1 Samuel on Mondays. We're in the Gospel of Mark, which we were yesterday. You can see the podcast for that or listen to the podcast for that. I'm sorry. I I guess I got to say, listen to it. I'm so used to saying seen um, because we go live here on Instagram And if you are listening to the podcast, if you're new to it, um, and you hear this, yes, we are live on Instagram every night at 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We'd love to have you on here. Let's begin with the Word of God. Open your Bibles, please, to 1 Samuel chapter 15. And let's begin with the reading of the Scripture. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and the sheep, Camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telem 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Tanites, Go, depart, get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Canaanites departed from among the Amalekites, and Saul attacked the Amalekites from Hevallah, all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag king of the Amalekites alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good. And were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And he grieved Samuel and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel saying, Saul went out to Carmel and indeed he set up a monument for himself and he has gone on around, passed by and gone down to Gilgal. When Samuel went to Saul and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowering of the oxen, which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord has said to me last night. And he said to him, speak on. And so Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribe of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone to the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but the people took the plunder sheep and oxen, the best of things which should have been utterly destroyed to the sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, He has rejected you from being king. May the Lord bless the reading of his scriptures. Well, this is one of those passages that you come to and you just go, wow, Um, Where's this God of the Old Testament? I mean, can he, can he kind of like deal with some of the leaders we have in our country right now in the same fashion? Could he send out a Samuel to deal with them right now? Fact of the matter is he is, but they're not listening. Judgment is all around the world right now. It's, it's coming on the world. It's it's on the United States. It's on California as we speak. Judgment of God is all around us, but they're not listening. Let's unpack this passage, and, and I want to go through it very carefully and methodically tonight because it is important to understand. Starting in, in verse 1 of chapter 15, it says, Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel, now therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord. What Samuel is saying here is, listen to me, I'm a prophet of God, but the reason you know that I'm a prophet of God is, I came to anoint you as king of Israel, and you became king of Israel, because God had sent me. The prophecy that you would become king, and my anointing was of righteous, ordained, prophetic word from the Lord, is because the result that happened is that you became the king. He's, he's establishing his prophetic credibility with King Saul. But now he says these words very carefully. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. He's reminding him. You better listen to what the words of the Lord are. Because God sent me to anoint you as king. You became king. That proves the prophetic credibility I'm about to give you and the instruction I'm about to give you. So you better listen carefully to what I'm about to say. And whenever God speaks to you and you you sense it in your spirit that you're supposed to listen, you better listen. You better absolutely stop what you're doing. Don't get distracted. Turn off the TV. Turn off the, the Instagram feed, even if it's me turn it off, and listen to what God is saying. Listen to it. Listen to the voice of the Lord. And God gives him some specific instructions. And it's amazing throughout the Word of God, whenever I'm reading it, it's always God giving specific instructions with great detail, and rarely do people listen. But God always says, listen. In fact, to the seven churches, every church ends with this phrase. To him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. It's saying, listen, if you've got an ear, you better listen to what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches. And Jesus is is pronouncing in some cases, blessing. In other cases, judgments on the seven churches. That represent all times. Represent right now. And our actual historical churches. They're all three. And he's telling them, listen. And this is what Samuel is doing. He says, take heed. The voice of the words of the Lord. Listen to them. You better take heed. Now, here comes the instruction that says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. He's referring to the him is Moses and the people of Israel. When Israel was coming out of Egypt, Amalek ambushed them. Okay. And we get that from Exodus 17, eight. In fact, let's go ahead and turn there for a moment because there's some important things that we should know about this passage. And I'm going to just read the brief passage to you, starting in verse 8. Now, Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. This is interesting because this is a Canaanite territory, and Rephidim sounds a lot like Rahafim, which is the post-flood giants' land, land of the giants. And Moses said to Joshua, choose as uh, some men and go out and fight with Amalek tomorrow, I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek and Moses and Aaron and her went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hands, Amalek prevailed, but Moses hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it and Aaron and her supported his hands one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated the Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. When the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua. Now I want to stop there just for a second. This is that one moment where I'm always trying to put in an apologetic moment on the scripture. Okay? If you have your Bible and you're in Exodus 17 verse 14, you want to underline this part because this is an apologetic moment, proof of your faith moment, if I can use that phrase. Here's why. You always hear this argument from atheists. Well, they didn't know how to write back then. They had no writing then. We don't know that Moses was writing out any book of law whatsoever. That's just myth. There's no proof whatsoever. There's no evidence that that Moses wrote anything. Right? Wrong. Here is that proof. Here is that verse. Right there. When the Lord said to Moses, write this for a special memorial in the book. In the book. Okay? It's describing this. And we know from the Dead Sea Scrolls written several hundred years before Jesus even came in reference to... That, that they had these. We know from the Septuagint, which was 400 to 600 years before, that they had the ability to write. But here is a clear thing saying, write this in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua. And I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from heaven. And Moses built this as an altar and called it its name. The Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. You see, what is happening here is that because of this ambush, God is livid with Amalek. And he's like, I'm going to wipe you out because you did this. Because let's face it. These were a bunch of slaves who came out of Egypt and they weren't armed paratroopers. They weren't the skilled soldiers and Amlach was like, ah, "I'm gonna take plunder these people, take them as hostages, enslave them, blah blah blah." You know, he was thinking this is easy plunder, right? And God's like, "Oh, that's wrong. I'm gonna punish you for this. I'm gonna get you for this." Well, what happens often for a Christian is we're being persecuted, and. We're crying out to God, God, avenge us. And sometimes we never see God avenging us in our lifetime. We don't get to see it, but we know the promise of God. What does he say? I will avenge you. Vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. Right? I will take care of you. I will be your banner, as Moses wrote. God is always going to be our El Shaddai, our provider. Sometimes we don't see that provision in our lifetime. But we could always believe God at his word that he is going to provide for us. He has provided Christ who gave us eternal life for those who believe in him. And in the same way that we can trust this, Moses trusted God. He built that monument to him. He believed God. He knew that God was faithful and that God was going to keep that promise. Well, generations later, Many generations later, Saul comes, becomes king. And God goes, now's the time. I got the guy. He's going to go do this for me. He's going to keep my promise. He's going to keep my promise. And we're going to wipe out the Amalek's. And so he gives him the instructions. I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel back in First Samuel for what he did when he came out of Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them Into lame, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and lay wait in the valley. Now. This is good because God told him, wipe out Amalek. Now Saul does something interesting. He shows mercy to the other group because God didn't say wipe them out, right? Saul said to the Canaanites, go depart, get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them for you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. See, they knew the history. They knew their history. They had it recorded, by the way. How did they know their history? Because it was written down. You want proof that Moses wrote it down, that he had them? They knew the history. There's your proof, okay? It wasn't some oral tradition that they kind of messed up on. I mean, if it being be an oral tradition, they might have like slipped the Kenites for the Amalekites and switched the idea around. But that's not the case. They knew their history because it was written down. And so... He then says, Go and depart from the Amalekites, lest they destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So the Canaanites departed from among the Amalekites and Saul attacked the Amalekites from Hivah and all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. Man, they went east of Egypt. They went, they went way after them. They like took them out, right? Literally. And it says... And they utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag, the leader, and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them, but everything despised and worthless, that that they utterly destroyed. Here's the problem. God said, destroy everything. Destroy everything. Now, here's the, here's the predicament for man, right? James tells us in, in, in chapter one of James, it says that it's the desires of the heart that cause us to sin. And when sin is full grown, he gives birth to death, right? That each one is tempted by his own desires. So we're tempted by those desires, right? And they're wiping out the Amalekites But they're looking over and they're going, there's some good plunder. Yo, there's some plunder. Hey, there's some plunder. Oh, yeah, there's some plunder. You know, well, if we kill them all and we kill the, you know, capture the king, right? We could probably keep the best stuff for ourselves, right? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah, God's going to be okay with that, right? Because we're his people. We're his people. We can do that. There are people today who claim to be men of God who are stealing from the body of Christ. They're preachers. They have the word. They've been placed in authority over the body of Christ. They've gotten there. God anointed them. They they received the blessing to bring the scriptures on Sunday mornings. They are pastors of churches. They are missionaries on fields. They are professors in seminaries. And God has given them very strict, very strong outlines on what's expected of those who shepherd the flock. And they're stealing from the flock. They're stealing and disobeying what God has done. In fact, what's worse, they're doing what Israel did here and King Saul did. They're taking the bounty of Satan, the pornography of Satan, the lusts of Satan, and they're keeping him for themselves. They're not just stealing from God. They're bringing the evil things of the Canaanites, the Baal worshippers, they're bringing those into the kingdom of God, and that 's not what God wanted. God wanted it all wiped out. You see, God knows we now know through archaeology about one of the things about the Canaanites where the animals were polluted, they were full of diseases because they had been created with abominations. Things that, that God did not want, that God detested. And so they were to be completely wiped out. But Saul didn't obey that. And then he does this thing, like God's supposed to be pleased with this. I'm gonna we're gonna give him to God as a sacrifice. We're gonna give it to God as a sacrifice. We're gonna worship God with this. This is like the musician who God gives the incredible talent of music to, the ability to sing, the ability to play, the ability to write music. And they're like, yeah, you know, that's thank you, Lord, I'm going to do this. I'm going to use this to worship you. And what do they do? They commit abominations before God, and then they have a worship song or two. And that's supposed to solve everything. They join in on the world and they do the, the things of the world. But they do a couple of good worship songs. Man, yeah, they're great. Man, you bring tears to your eyes as you're worshiping the Lord. And God's going, that's, I wanted you to obey me. I wanted you to submit to me. I wanted you to be my disciple. And that's why we're asking this question tonight. Are you submitting to God like a disciple, or like a harlot? I didn't want to bring that into the introduction. I would have just made people turn me off right away. Are you submitting to God like a disciple or like a harlot? That's the question that we're really examining in this passage tonight. And so Saul himself was guilty of four things. And these are the four things that, that you need to understand. He was guilty of disobedience number one. He was guilty of rebellion, number two. He was guilty of arrogance, number three. And number four, he was guilty of rejecting God's word. And here's the problem. Many Christians today, they're disobedient. Many are in rebellion against God. And and it's because of arrogance and pride. And in that arrogance and pride, you end up rejecting the word of God. You begin to espouse your own beliefs about God, causing others to go astray instead of what God's word actually says. It's interesting to me that the people who often teach God's word accurately are always accused of manipulating God's word. Yet the ones who preach the ear tickling are always thought of as great Bible people. And it's the contrary, Jesus said, narrow is the way. I mean, it's interesting to me, there are some people out there that say things that are completely unbiblical. And you can see them on the websites and the social media sites, and they have huge followings. That's one of the reasons why I want God to always Cause me to be obedient to him. I want to be obedient to his word. I don't want to disobey him at all when he gives me instructions. I want to value what he's given me. Saul didn't value the gift he had. He was given the, to be the king of Israel, to lead them. And you remember what happened earlier on? Yeah, you remember when we were talking about this? Listen to this. Just a reminder Earlier in 1 Samuel, in chapter 13, two chapters earlier, he disobeyed God then. And remember what Samuel came to him and said, You have not kept the commandment of the Lord, your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Meaning Saul would have been the heir to Jesus. He would have, he would have been what the ancestor to Jesus. I don't mean the Eric. The ancestor to Jesus. He would have, Jesus would have come from the line of Saul. That's what God had in store for Saul. I mean, forget being king of Israel. That's the greater honor that the line of Christ would have descended from Saul to Christ. And then Samuel has done. but now your kingdom shall not continue, he says. And this is found in 1 Samuel 13, verses starting in verse 13 and now in 14. But now your kingdom shall not continue, Saul. Sorry, buddy. The Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be a commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Boom. Mic drop moment. (sighs) But God doesn't give up on Saul. But then Saul does things we learned in chapter 14. He, He behaves rashly, he starts acting rashly and not listening and not using the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that God gave him. And in that rashness, he makes bad decisions. And then he comes here and he goes from this impulsive person to being a disobedient person. Here is some scriptures that I I thought that come to mind. Romans eight seven seven Romans eight seven says For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it can't. It can't. It can't. It's impossible. And this was the problem for Saul. He was seeking after his own flesh. How do you know this, stuff? Where are you getting this from? Well, let's go on in verse 15. I mean, chapter 15, starting in verse 10. Now, the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I've set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me. See, God saw his heart, and he saw that Saul had turned away from the Lord, from following him. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. This tells me something really amazing about Samuel, by the way. That Samuel wasn't just a prophet of God. He was someone who loved his country, but he was also someone who loved his king. He loved Saul. And that Saul had turned his back on God, this just brought Samuel to weep. And he grieved him, and he cried out to the Lord all night. Makes me ask this question. Is anyone cr- grieving and crying out for Joe Biden? You know, I see a lot of let's go Brandon and it's kind of cool. I, I, I even, I get it. But that's not what God is calling the Christians to do. We're supposed to pray for him. What about you in Australia or New Zealand or Canada? And I know you're watching because I, I, I see the interaction. Are you praying for your political leaders? Are you grieving over them? Are you crying over them? Not in anger, but in the agony of knowing that they've turned away from God that they're seeking the, the things of this world? In that rebellion? You know, John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Look, we, we, we always kind of put the heart, the cart before the horse in this verse. And it's really this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That comes naturally, because you love me. We always go, well, if you love God, you're gonna keep his commandments. Keep his commandments proves that you love God. No, that's not the way that verse is saying. It's saying, if you love me, you'll you'll keep my commandments, because you love me. And that's the way it needs to be viewed, because being a Christian is, is like marriage. It's being married to Christ. We are the bride of Christ, the Bible says, right? And I see my relationship with Jesus more and more like a marriage. Because if I love my wife, of course I'm going to be faithful to her. It's when I start thinking about me, myself, and I, that things go bad in my marriage. And God kind of smacks me upside the head and says, You know why your prayers aren't being answered? Why they're being hindered? Because you're not living in an understanding way of your wife. Because you're not loving her like I love the church. Because in the end, you're not loving me. Oh. Okay, Lord, I get it. I get it, Lord. Okay. And I get on my knees and I repent and I ask God to forgive me. And I do good. And I, I... Try to crucify the flesh through the Holy Spirit by reading his word and obeying his commandments and falling in love. And I always ask him, Lord, help me to fall more and more in love with you so I can love my wife even more. The more you love God, the more you'll love others. But that wasn't the case for Saul. In fact, listen to what happens. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told, Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel and indeed he set up a monument for himself. Saul didn't set up a monument, an altar for God. He set up a monument for himself. It's about me. It's about myself. It's about I. Right? Forget God, look what I did. Look what I accomplished. I need that that billion dollar plane so I can do this ministry. We have monuments throughout America of Saul-like pastors who have built themselves monuments to their greatness. And then saying, look, the plunder, I'm using it to worship you, Lord. And God is is telling them, I don't want your plunder. And I don't want your monuments. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Samuel asked that question. I know I'm skipping ahead here, but that's the question. Are you submitting to God like a disciple? A disciple is obedient to God. He's submissive to God. He's humble to God. And he devours the word of God because he knows it is the living, breathing essence of Christ. He wants nothing. He craves the word of God. He's like, David, I hide thy word in my heart that I might not sin against you. He's the opposite of Saul, disobedient, rebellious, arrogant, and rejecting the word of God. And then Saul tries to tell him, "Look, blessed are you, O Lord. I have performed the commandments." And Samuel's like, "No, you haven't, because I hear bleeding sheep. I hear the... and he's not saying bleeding as in blood cut. No, he's saying I hear their bleeding. I hear them. I hear it. And the low, lowing of the oxen, which I hear, I hear it. And then he tries to get real religious with Samuel. Yo." They brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord, your God. Wait a moment. Wait a moment, Saul. I thought he was your God too. Oh, I mean, our God. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm wondering why Samuel didn't, didn't hit him with that. What do you mean? Your God. I, isn't he your God? He's our God, right? He's the God of Israel, Right. And he's like, and then oh, by the rest. wait well, the way, the rest we, we utterly destroyed. Yeah, because we did it the right way. We helped God along. We helped God along. And then Samuel said to Saul, "Be quiet. Just shut up for a moment. You you have no idea what you've just done. You really messed things up. You see, God gave Moses a promise." And your mission was to complete the promise that he gave to Moses. And you didn't do it. You didn't do the promise. Because you were disobedient in your arrogance and your pride. God gave you one mission and you blew it. This was your chance. Look, when you you were nothing, when you were little in your own eyes, Were you not the head of the tribe of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? When you were still humble, that's when God was using you. That's when God was was so in love with you because you were humble before him. He loved you so much. He used you, anointed you king because of that. Now you're arrogant and prideful and disobedient and rebellious. And you're rejecting the truth of what God told you to do. The Lord sent you on a mission. He told you to do this. Destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. And what did you do? You swooped down on the spoil, he says in verse 19. And you did evil in the sight of God. You abandoned the faith. You abandoned the faith. So Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone in the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, the king of the Amalekites. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. He's like, Look, you're being technical here. God doesn't want you to ever say to him, He's being technical. You see, because he was precise in his instruction. God is precise. When we have to argue with God that he's technical, it's because we really want to sin. That's what it really is. God says, hey, if you're a man, don't sleep with another man. Well, homosexuality, the word's really not in the Bible. No, but in Romans chapter 1, it says, don't be a man who sleeps with another man. And it infers that quite often, So you're being technical because God is being precise. Well, doesn't it say in Romans that, you know, women aren't supposed to sleep with women? Yeah, well, you know what? That's actually referring to animals. No, it doesn't refer to animals. God is precise in what he's telling you. Paul, a rabbi, would have said animals. They were very precise, the rabbis were. Paul was a student of the law. He wouldn't have hemmed and hawed around it, especially when, after he got saved, he went to the Essenes, and there was no wavering from the Essenes when he studied at Qumran in the desert. And he came out of there. He was precise. He used, his whole theology changed. So he had to be precise. And... Well, you know, Samuel, I I think God's nickel and diming this. I mean, we, we pretty much got to the, you know, the right area of this. No. God is precise. When he gives you instructions, you need to obey. And this is where Samuel says to him, Look, as the Lord has great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. It's better than sacrifice being obedient. Look, you're tithing but you're not obeying? That's too do it it doesn't work. But if you're obeying and you're tithing, you're fine. And you heed the fat of rams, you saying You think I want dirty rams that were birthed in sin and lived in wickedness to be my sacrifice? The purpose of the sacrifice was pointing to Jesus who was tempted in every way but did not sin. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, which is interesting because later one more thing that Saul does wrong, he goes to the witches. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry, which basically does that too. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Now what's interesting here is that God doesn't reject Saul. He just rejects the mantle that he gave Saul. Some of you are young and you're about to start out on the mission that God gave you. And I wanna plead with you to take that mission very seriously. Because if you think you can play footsie with the devil, the greatest tragedy of your life is that that mission That calling will be removed from you like it was King Saul. Look, I believe in eternal security and I'm not talking about Saul losing his salvation. Talking about Saul losing what God had called him to be. A righteous king of Israel. And God replaced Saul later on, we read about it. He chooses David. Don't let Satan wiggle his way into your life with the desires of the flesh and cause you to lose the mantle of ministry that God gave you because you want to sin. Don't lose it because of sin. I think about it in my own life as I read a passage like this. Back to that 20 year old arrogant and prideful kid that I was and wish I could go back and smack him up the head a couple of times and tell him, look, you're not going down that road because it just delayed you getting to what you really wanted to do in life. Serve the Lord. I honestly think that if Saul had repented before God the first time around, when he blew it, that God would have found a way to restore his, his mantle in ministry. Whatever Satan steals, God restores, the Bible says, sevenfold. But some of you are throwing away that mantle. And I'm pleading with you, stop. Don't do it. The greatest regret you'll have in life is knowing what God's about to do in your life. And then because of sin, he takes it away. Doesn't mean that he's taken away your salvation. No. In fact, I know that when the Israelites are resurrected at the end of the tribulation that we will see King Saul there. But Saul, he became more and more miserable. In fact, he needed, his misery was so great, he was so consumed by his misery that David had to play the harp there for him. And it was because all he could live with was the regret of how he let God down and how he sinned against him. We're going to read what happens next, next week. But I want to leave you with these words and that is, are you willing to submit to God like a disciple? Obedient in the faith Running towards righteousness, putting aside your pride and arrogance, humbling yourself before the Lord. And instead of rejecting the Word of God, you're devouring it. You're consumed by the Word of God. You're hiding it in your heart so that you may not sin against Him. There's two Sauls in the Bible. King Saul, and the other Saul, his name later became Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. It's the tale of the two Sauls. Which Saul do you want to be? Which Saul are you striving to be? Be the disciple that God's called you to be. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I just thank you for this time in your word in which you have reminded us of our destiny and what it can be for those who love you and keep your commandments. Lord, help us to become the disciple that you've called us to be. Help us, O oh God, to love you with a supernatural love that we, so that we can love those around us. Help us to pray for our leaders, like Samuel did, to to righteously grieve over them, O Lord, to cry out for mercy for them. Lord, we pray that you would begin to change things around us so that we may teach transgressors their ways, O Lord. Turn our heart towards you, O God. Let let our love grow even more for you so that we may do what is right in your sight. Forgive us of our trespasses and wash us clean in the blood of the Lamb of your Son, Jesus Christ. And do not forsake us Oh, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That is it for tonight here on the West Coast Gospel Hour. We want to thank you for joining Fig Tree Watchers. I do want to say it again. Uh, we have the website. Uh, tomorrow you can go on there. You can view the podcast. We're now on Apple iTunes, Anchor, and Spotify for the Uh, podcast you can listen to this same Bible study tomorrow Um, you can read the post by the way interesting post that came up had to do with tonight's lesson rebellion right Uh, you can see the new post that I wrote out um, which is the third post in the lawless series called the congruency of rebellion and I'd really love for you to check that post out Uh, you can see the congruency of sin the congruency of evil and finally the congruency of rebellion And there's actually going to be a part two and a part three coming up very quickly on that. You can also see my partner in ministry, Io, his post on the rapture. And uh, definitely excellent reading. Uh, You can find us also on Facebook uh, as well at Fig Tree Watchers. Uh, You can see our page there and on Telegram. So thanks for choosing. Uh, Tonight, to being with us and fellowshipping in the word of God, may he bless you, may he strengthen you, may he keep you, and may he guide you by his word, Jesus Christ, that you will follow him all the days of your life and that you will love the Lord your God and others with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. May God be blessed in everything that you do. Go in peace and sin no more. Good night, everyone. Thanks for joining us.